Well, this morning you may have noticed uh, Pastor Allen is away, and he's just enjoying a few days of vacation and rest. And uh, so it's my privilege this morning to welcome the Director Emeritus of Bridges for Peace and uh, Pastor Allen's father-in-law, Dr. John Housen. No doctor. Oh, no doctor. Okay, I'll drop the doctor. Okay, Reverend John Housen. And uh, we're just so thankful for you to come and uh, share with us this morning. So let's give him a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. You wouldn't want me to be your doctor. <laughs> you might have noticed that our country changed colors this week. Did you notice that? First of all, the Blue Jays lost. That blue is gone. And then the other blue is gone. Well, quite a bit of it's gone anyway. And now we've gone to be red. I've noticed uh, since I've been hobnobbing with this congregation that some are quite happy about the change and some are a little unhappy. And um, I just want to remind you that 1 Timothy 2, 1. Incidentally, is Kevin here? Is Kevin Lamaru here? Where are you, Kevin? I want to congratulate him because he went in with a landslide. Huge majority. 1 Timothy 2, 1 says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I just want to tell you a, a little story about the Trudeau family. You know that... Uh, Trudeau's had uh, three children. At least two of them were born on Christmas Day. And there is another sister. Pierre Elliott Trudeau had a child by another woman. But uh, the, of the three brothers, there's Justin and Sasha left, and the other brother, forget his name, the one that passed away. What is it? We're getting two different names Michelle. here. Michelle. Michelle, okay, I think that's it. But Michelle was uh, driving west, going to go skiing in Alberta or BC, and his truck broke down by Portage La Prairie. And there he was stranded, and a family came along and helped him, and his dog, he had his dog with him. And that family took him home and kept him overnight and helped him get his truck going. And they led him to the Lord. It was a Christian family. And just days later, he was killed in the avalanche while he was skiing. So we don't know what God is doing, right? We don't know what God is up to and how he speaks to people. I want to talk today about how Israel blesses the world. Bill, I've been working in Israel for 20 years. 
I've been there 50 times. I, I hear the news and it grieves me because I, I don't see that side of Israel. So Abraham means a father of many peoples. True to his name, Abraham's children include not only ethnic Jews and Arabs, but the patriarch's spiritual progeny as well. Those from all nations, like you and I, who have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 7 and 9 says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. How many are blessed today because you're related to Abraham? Let me see your hand. Oh, what? What about the rest of you? Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. See, Abraham's servant was a Syrian man. He didn't have any children. God had promised him a son, but he was nowhere in sight. And he had to wait 25 years for the promise to come true. Abraham said, to Behold to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And then Genesis 22, 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, and that is the exact same spot, or almost the exact, exact same spot where the Dome of the Rock is. And uh, that is where the Lord provided a sacrifice for him and, and for us. And he said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. 
and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And verse 18, and in thy seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, Genesis 12, 1, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And the next verse is God's foreign policy towards Israel. Mr. Harper understood this. I'm not sure that Mr. Trudeau understands this. I'm almost certain Mr. Obama doesn't understand it. I know for sure that multitudes of leaders around the world don't understand it, but this is what it says. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. And we ought not to forget that. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We live in a world of increasing darkness, with violence exploding all over the place. Anti-Semitism exploding all over the place. Yet... Israel remains a beacon of light once again, not only for Jews, but for hundreds of millions of people worldwide. She improves the lives of people worldwide. And yet, for all that, she gets demonized in Western media and on university campuses. The image that they paint is not the real Israel. It's not, it's not the Israel that I know. And I've spent the last 20 years going back and forth and trekking up and down the country. And uh, when I was there in January, I was taken to the Ministry of Tourism, where that was my 50th trip to Israel. Incidentally, in those 50 times, I've never ever once seen any violence in Israel. I have taken over 1,800 people to Israel and brought them all back to Canada and the United States in one piece, contrary to what you might be hearing on the news. And uh, so I'd like to share with you a few things that I have discovered about Israel that maybe you didn't know or maybe you didn't hear this on uh, CNN. One of, my grand, one of my grandsons calls that Chicken Noodle Network, incidentally. <laughs> Israel is often the first on the scene with emergency assistance and medical care when disaster happens anywhere in the world. Even if, even if they're not friends with that country, they're one of the first to be there. From Turkey to Haiti, Kenya to Japan, Israel has brought life-saving technologies, equipment, and personnel to countries hit by catastrophe. You know, in, uh, in Haiti, when they had, what was that? I always forget what it was. A hurricane? Earthquake. Earthquake. Yes, help me out here. And uh, they had the first field hospital there. The military comes in. And they are experts at digging people out of the rubble because they've had to do it so many times themselves. 
They're also experts at identifying bodies and body parts because they've had to do that so many times. When, when they were in Japan, uh, guess what they did? Bridges for Peace has a big office in Japan and they got people from the Bridges for Peace office to come and be translators between the people they were helping to serve and between the Israeli military. Israeli field hospitals on the border with Syria make it possible for Israeli doctors to treat the wounded from the Syrian civil war. You know that the Syrian government has killed, multiplied thousands of their own people. And uh, Israel has field hospitals there to make it possible for Israeli doctors to treat the wounded from that war, sometimes even transferring them at no cost to other hospitals throughout Israel for specialty care. I was in Israel during the war in 2014. It was called Operation Protective Edge. I was sent there by the Jewish community of Winnipeg. They paid my way for six days, and it was a, it was a solidarity mission. We visited wounded soldiers. We encouraged the people. We traveled throughout different parts of Israel and just had a great time praying for the people. The Jewish people that were with us on the bus said, we felt so safe because uh, Pastor Housen was with us and he was praying for us every step of the way. And that's a great privilege to be able to serve these people. A similar field hospital was erected on the Gaza border to carry for wounded Palestinians civilians and military alike. The real Israel is a vibrant democracy that has over 30 parties. And you thought it was bad when you got Harper and Trudeau and Mulcair and May, that May lady fighting and arguing for how many days? And how would you like to have to contend with 30 political parties? as they do in Israel. It's the only Middle Eastern country where Arab women can vote, where freedom of the Arab press is protected, and where the Christian population is growing rather than shrinking. We, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, have one of the biggest, if not the biggest, evangelical church in all of Israel. And guess where it is? Right in the center of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, we're eight hours difference in time, so their service is at five o'clock in the afternoon Sunday. They probably have seven or eight hundred people meeting there every Sunday. That's right in downtown Jerusalem, right at the heart of the city. King of Kings, it's called. In 1860, Mark Twain visited Israel and wrote about it. He talks about the barrenness, the desert and the lack of trees. He said he walked all day from Nazareth through to the Sea of Galilee, and he only saw one tree. But when, when Theodore Herzl started Jewish National Fund around the early 1900s, first thing they started doing was planting trees. And the more trees they plant, the more the desert recedes. 
You see, the Turks had cut down the trees because their leaders made them pay taxes on it. So they said, well, we don't want to pay taxes. I guess we'll cut them down. And then the desert came in. But Israel has planted over 240 million trees, turning many parts of the country into lush forests, covering over 240,000 acres. It is one of two countries that entered the 21st century with a net gain of trees. It is a world leader in sustainable agricultural technology. The theme of Expo 2015, which was held in Milan, Italy, was feeding the planet. Tens of thousands of people visited the Israeli pavilion and marveled at the wall they had there, 70 meters high, that's 210 plus feet, where crops grow vertically on minimal irrigation. In early May 2015, 35,000 people, including 200 Gazan farmers, attended Agritech in Tel Aviv, where Israel's Netafim installed the biggest agriculture wall in Israel. Netafim's drip irrigation currently is growing crops that feed over one billion people. Here's how drip irrigation works. They've developed these hoses about as big as your finger, your baby finger, and it goes up and down the rows of vegetables and fruits. They have it in flower gardens. They have it on trees. And there's a little hole in that hose every few inches or every few feet, whatever is needed. And it's all, it's all computer controlled. And they don't waste water. They don't spray water over acres of land because they don't have a lot of water to spare. And so they, they have shared this technology with people around the world and that, that feed over one billion people. Hebrew University researchers have a new technique that extends the life of vegetables for weeks without refrigeration. India, Pastor Aldwin's going to India. India is working with Israeli companies to import Israeli technology in order to improve crop yields and pest resistance while reducing water usage and the indiscriminate use of fertilizer. In Tanzania, uh, Israeli startup Platform is running a pilot program in Zimbabwe. Its platform for farmers is in developing countries to improve their production and delivery to buyers. Israeli farms don't just produce crops. They also have fish farms all over the country, such as those built by Israel's Living Green. They have projects in Ghana, in Ethiopia, and China, and they're sharing their knowledge and learning with, with people all over. Israeli companies have already involved, are already involved in futuristic agriculture innovations. For example, a company called Melodia and Valentes demonstrated their technology in Spain this summer. Is Europe's largest nanotechnology conference. Both are using cellulose nanocrystals to make groundbreaking products out of plant-derived waste. And here's, a, here's the latest and the greatest. Israel's white innovations are just one year away from launching the Genie, 
a 3D printer that prints nutritious meals. Now, how would you like to have one of those, ladies? I have a picture of it right here. I looked it up this week, so I know what I was talking about. And uh, this, is, uh, this is a lot like your Keurig coffee perk, or your, what's that other one that we have? Tassimo, yes. It goes off barcodes. Well, here, this looks, um, it's similar in size and appearance to a coffee maker. It can produce an unlimited variety of meals using pods that contain natural dehydrated ingredients. At the push of a button on Genie's uh, mobile application, the device begins mixing, shaking, and adding any required liquids from tubes attached to the back of the machine, which bakes or cook the desired dish at the appropriate temperature. The all-natural ingredients in the pods are freeze-dried and have a shelf life of between one and two years. And you can uh, personalize your food to fit your specific diet. If you're gluten-free, egg-free, or dairy-free, it's all done with the push of a button. Doesn't matter. You get whatever you want. The dish can be anything. It can be a meal like chicken with rice, couscous with vegetable, or an amazing ramen, or even a chocolate souffle, or any other dessert that you want. We're using only natural ingredients. We're not using any preservatives or anything that people add to their meals. And so that's, that's the latest, and it will, it will be here before you know it. So get ready. Watch for it. It's not going to be cheap, but it's going to be faster than going to the restaurant. Apifix, A-P-I-F-I-X, system which is now being used to treat scoliosis. That's people that have deformed spines. Bonvax's universal, flat, universal flu vaccine. IBM's Doctome telemedicine platform, which turns IBM's Watson supercomputer into a digital doctor. And Sleep ASAP, Israel's crowdsourcing platform for people that have insomnia, people that have trouble sleeping. And uh, many people believe that Israel will soon have a cure for every disease. That's what they're working towards. Israel is also a leader in cybersecurity, solar energy development, music industry technology, film and movies technology, and artificial intelligence. I'm going to get some of that when it comes out. <laughs> when we go to Israel, we fly on an airline called El Al. That's Israel's national airline. Anyone know what that means? E-L-A-L. Ever landing, always late. <laughs> Safest airline in the world. I'll tell you why. On those planes, they have sky marshals. You don't know who they are. They'd be the only two guys that stay awake all night. Or maybe they're women, I don't know. And they also have anti-missile technology on every plane. How does that work? 
if an enemy shoots a missile at that plane, as the missile gets closer to the plane, there are rays that go out and detect it, and they, they take that missile and they turn it around and send it back to hell where it came from. At the Technion, Israel's Institute of Technology in Haifa, northern Israel, they have developed the operating room of the future. It's a non-invasive outpatient treatment. It treats human beings without cutting the body. Now, wouldn't you like that? It transmits ultrasound waves focusing on the treatment point. It can remove almost any tumor in the body. Uterine fibroids, hysterectomy, brain treatment, Parkinson's, prostate cancer. It is also used in the defense of Israel. And here's the way it works. The guy rides down to the hospital on his bicycle, gets the treatment. Three hours later, they release him from the hospital and send him home riding this bicycle. This will be able to help millions of people globally. God blesses this little nation with knowledge beyond normal technology. I found an article by uh, the late Ann Landers, and she wrote this. She says, this is written to an anti-Semite. What's an anti-Semite? That's someone that's against the Jews. She said, it's a free world. You don't have to like Jews if you don't want to. But if you're going to be an anti-Semite, you should be consistent and turn your back on the medical advances that the Jews have made possible. I'm talking about vaccine for hepatitis, discovered by Baruch Bloomberg. The Wasserman test developed by August von Wasserman. I'll tell you a little story about this. Um, Many years ago, 40-some years ago, I was, uh, for a couple of years, I was working in a prison in Ontario as a correctional officer. And sometimes we had to take people to the hospital. And one day I was sent to the Department of Health and I had a handcuff on one arm and there was a prisoner on the other arm, handcuffed to me. And we got down to the health department and the doctor said to him, drop your drawers and bend over and he took a big needle and he gave him a shot. The Wasserman, it was a shot for syphilis. And that was, uh, the Wasserman test was developed by August von Wasserman. And the first effective drug, drug to fight syphilis was developed by Paul Ehrlich. Bella Schick developed the diagnostic skin test for diphtheria. Insulin would not have been discovered if Oscar Minkowski had not demonstrated the link between diabetes and the pancreas. I'm so happy for that because I'm type 2. I have to take, I have to take a pill. It was Beryl Cron who identified the disease that bears his name. Alfred Hess discovered vitamin C could cure scurvy. Casimir Funk was the first to use vitamin B to treat beriberi. Jonas Salk developed the first 
polio vaccine. I can remember in high school, some of our classmates had polio. You hardly ever hear of polio anymore because of this Jewish man. Later, Albert Sabine developed the oral version. Ann Landers wraps this up and she says, humanitarianism requires that we offer these, these gifts to all the people of the world, regardless of race, color, or creed. So the anti-Semites who don't want to accept these gifts can go ahead and turn them down. But I'm warning you, you're not going to feel so good. Their resilience is demonstrated in the formation of the State of Israel and the revival of the Hebrew language and customs after 2,000 year absence. They have the greatest number of Nobel Prizes in physics, chemistry, medicine, music, and against all odds, they were victorious in the past six conflicts fought in Israel, especially in the Six-Day War of June 67. And uh, she's still a success story. Country has six world-class universities, more scientific papers and Nobel Prizes per capita than any other nation, and the most advanced high-tech sector outside of the Silicon Valley. The economy is flourishing. Tourism is at an all-time high. Even now, there are over 100,000 people, tourists in Israel, and I want to take you to Israel in January. And I promise to get you there and bring you back all in one piece. As I have over 1,800 other people in the last few years. Diane Saladin here. Where are you, Diane? Well, it was uh, 2014 in January that uh, Ruth and I and Nicholas and Nicholas's other grandma, Diane, went to Israel. We worked up in northern Israel in, um, in the food bank for a month. And at the end of our time, uh, we, we came home. The three of us came home. Diane wanted to stay longer because she was going to go to uh, Who's going to go to Europe after that. And Bridges for Peace had given her a job for a month and they didn't have a position for her. So I visited a, an organization down the street or I called them and uh, got her a job working there. The name of that organization, it's only five minutes from Bridges for Peace, and the name of that or organization is called Shavet Akim. It's run by a Christian man named Jonathan Miles. And what do they do? They go into Gaza. They go into Jordan, into Iraq, and, uh, and they go into different Arab countries, enemy countries, and they pick up young kids. These are kids that were born with a hole in their heart or with other uh, medical defects. And what do they do? 
They bring them back to Israel. Sometimes they bring their mother with them. And Israeli doctors operate on them free of charge. And when they're all better, they send them back home. And uh, Diane was working in the little hospital caring for these um, caring for these young kids after the doctors had operated on them until they got well enough to go home. You, you can ask her about that. Well, there's a lot of things to think about. But now I want to tell you about the greatest way, the greatest way that Israel has blessed the world. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 9, verse 2, where Paul says, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all. God be blessed forevermore. You see, this is the Christmas story. Coming up Christmas, only 68 days or something like that till Christmas. Get your Christmas shopping done. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ came into the world as a Jewish baby through Mary, through the Virgin Mary. And Joseph was his, his stepfather, and he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He did not take on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, came as a little Jewish boy. And he lived here for 33 years, and then he gave his life to be our salvation, shed his blood. Where? In Israel, in Jerusalem, Golgotha. We're going to visit that. And the Bible says salvation is of the Jews. That's the greatest thing that we have from the Jewish people. All these other things are good. Your cell phones are good. The technology is good. But that's only minuscule compared to what he has done for us in our salvation. And let me just run over this verse for a minute. Who, verse, Romans 9, verse 4. Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption? Now, you and I are adopted by God, but the Jews are adopted by God. It says in Deuteronomy that they are his chosen people. They are adopted by him. And the glory, I like this part, that means the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, when the, when the Jews left Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and they were guided by the glory, by the visible presence of God. The cloud by day, the fire by night, the visible presence of the Holy Spirit was with them wherever they go, wherever they went. And when Solomon dedicated the temple, the glory of the Lord was so strong in that temple, the priests couldn't even stand Oh, I had a, 
a wonderful thing happened last weekend. Uh, we, Ruth and I flew up to northern Ontario. And I preached uh, four times up there on an Indian reserve, Deer Lake. And last Sunday night, we had a time. It's a two-hour flight by plane. If you, if you don't want to go that way, you have to wait till the till it freezes over and you can go on an ice road. The chief, the chief of the reserve came in. Oh, you should have seen him. He was singing. He was dancing. He was falling under the Spirit. He was preaching. Oh, I never saw, I never saw a chief like that before in my life. He was, he was under that glory, under the Shekinah glory of the Lord that Paul talks about here. The glory and the covenants, you know, our God is a covenant-keeping God. He's made covenants with us. He's made covenants with Israel. He wants us to be covenant people. I have this young lady with me right here, Gloria's mother. Stand up so they can see you, Ruth. Now you know why Gloria is so pretty. <laughs> and uh, and we, have a, we have a covenant relationship. We made promises, we made vows 51 years ago. And you know what? They're still working. And they're still holding. And God, God wants us to be covenant people. Not to go according to our feeling. Not to go according to the Hollywood idea of marriage. And, uh, and that, that's because he is a covenant-keeping God. He's a covenant-keeping God. And then it says, and the giving of the law. We wouldn't know anything about the Ten Commandments if it wasn't for the Jewish people. And the service of God. While other nations were worshipping tree trunks and worshipping the sun and the moon and the stars, the Jews were worshipping the one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And, uh, and then the promises. And how about the fathers? I can remember, remember when I was a little boy in Sunday school, we were so thrilled about David, only a boy named David, only a little sling. You ever sing that song? Yes, the fathers, those guys in the Old Testament, they were our heroes. And then the disciples, they're the fathers. They're our fathers too. But and of whom is concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all. God be blessed forevermore. Romans 15, 27, a verse to remember in closing. If the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual blessings, their duty is to minister unto them in carnal things. That's why I'm involved with Bridges for Peace. That's why I flunked retirement. And I'm still going, still keeping on going, motoring down the road, trucking down the road for the Lord and on behalf of Israel. So here's what I'd like you to do. 
we have a table back there. Pick up an article like this, Bridges for Peace, in action. Here's a teaching letter that comes out once a month. You can pick up those. And here's the dispatch from Jerusalem. Wonderful articles from Israel. And uh, you can, if you'd like to get that in your home, you can sign up. If you don't like uh, paper, you can read it on your computer. Bridgesforpeace.com If you'd like to be a volunteer in Israel, like our grandson, we have a grandson that's there right now, signed up for a whole year, and uh, he's going to be an Olympic runner by the time he gets home because he can outrun any terrorist there is anywhere near. The tour, Scripture Guide to Praying for Israel. God bless you. Thanks for allowing me to come. And uh, Pastor Chris, where are you? Thank you, Reverend Hausen, for coming today. It's so great to have you here to share this morning. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you.